the kingdom of God. That means Jesus is your king. I'm going to ask you today who's in the kingdom of God, and some of you can't say, I am. And it's okay. Be honest with that because God already knows. Some of you might even sit there thinking, I am in the kingdom of God. But after today, you might be going, gosh, maybe, maybe I wasn't. I don't think we're supposed to be on the winds and the waves. We're supposed to be confident in Christ. Know what he did for us, and we accept that and believe that and know that apart from him, we can't have life. Well, some of you have really made the kingdom of God at most a prayer you prayed and a service that you attend. That's only part of it, friend. Your life has been bought and paid for. And many of you are coasting. And it's time. It's time to wake up. It's time to step in to what Jesus said. We've been talking about this all year, really all 16 years that we've been here. We believe that Jesus is king. We believe that his way is the only way. And we need to be reminded as Ben prayed because we lose sight. And that's so beautiful. Jesus paid for repentance. I'm not just saying help with children's or pick up trash and then God knows that you're saved. That is not what I'll ever say. But because of the overflow of the kingdom in your life, you're going to do and say and be like the king. There's a lot of different ways to go for it. So I'm going to ask you right off the bat, who's in the kingdom of God? When you think the kingdom of God, who's in the kingdom of God? Quick answers. Go for it. God. Amen. His children. Nice. Jesus. What's that? Angels. I thought you said animals. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe. Probably. <laughs> Pastor Aaron, did Fifi go to heaven? I don't know. Maybe. All dogs go to heaven is Disney. It's not Jesus. All right. I don't know if it was Disney. But, all right. Angel. Every created thing. We're going to go to three different passages to answer this question three different times. And it's pretty cool how they loop together. It's pretty darn amazing. I want to ask you guys to open your minds and your hearts. And actually, Jesus, we come to you with minds and hearts and ears, just lives that desperately need to be taught, desperately need to learn. And we've been learning, and some have already read the word multiple times today. And so thank you for that. Would you help this new time in old passages remind us who you are and remind us who we are and whose we are and whose we can be. God, I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you join me in John 3? This is the first time we're going to look at who's in the kingdom. And it's the first passage, and it's really, really common. And we've talked about it already this year, multiple times. You guys might remember this story. I hope that it's old and fresh all at the same time. John 3, we'll go 1 through 8. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees, a friend of mine, who's been in church for a while. I was like, would you remind me what a Pharisee is? I will remind you, a Pharisee was a religious leader, not only a priest. Some of them were priests. But they were like the teachers of Israel. And this guy in particular, Nicodemus, was the teacher of teachers. 
and he was, he was kind of a big deal in all the circles. Some people collect baseball cards or football cards or basketball cards. A friend of mine said, hey, man, the Pharisees would have had trading cards. <laughs> they would be like, look, you got Nicodemus? No, uh I mean, just like so excited about it. These guys were a big deal. They were the teachers of Israel. They were the leaders of Israel. Even when Rome was over Israel, the Israelites would look to the Pharisees, to the priests, to the Sadducees. They were religious big deal. And so he shows up. He was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night, Nick at night. I know I've said a lot of times, it never gets old. I'm a dad. I have dad jokes. Here we go. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. He says, do these signs. Love that word sign. It's the same word for miracles. Guess what? Miracles are signs. Signs are miracles. They are not God himself, but they point to him. And this cat who knew some stuff is like, we know you're from God. And when he said we, he's talking about the disciples. Excuse me, the Pharisees. He recognizes the kingdom signs. And he comes to Jesus. At night. A little bit dark. Maybe a little time for them just to chill out together with no interruptions, but also that other Pharisees may not see him. And other people get confused because he's trying to figure it out. We know you're from God, though. These signs show it. So Jesus answers him. Did you catch a question in there at all? Was there a question? He's confused, though, a little bit. He comes at night. He's like, this guy's different. He's from God, we're pretty sure, but what's going on? Jesus answers a question that he doesn't say, but is on his heart, and maybe it's on your heart this morning. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Did Nicodemus even talk about the kingdom of God up to this point? Not, yeah, no, and yet it's in there. They would have understood that God and kingdom of God synonymous who was it was it you Jed that said God is in the kingdom of God yep and so he's like we know you're from God and he's like look unless one's born again he cannot see the kingdom of God Jesus straight up gives the answer to the question he didn't quite answer but was on his heart you've got to be born again to enter the kingdom to see the kingdom. Nicodemus says to him, uh, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's thrown off by the born again. Now we understand that word and we've had a, a time in our history where born again is what people called Christians and yet it means born from above, born of the spirit, born again. Those are all synonymous and it's so good. And Jesus is saying, you got to start fresh. You got to be new. And he's like, huh? 
this is Israel's teacher. We won't get to that spot. It's in verse 9, 9 and 10. But he's like, you don't get this and you're Israel's teacher? You got to start over. He's like, but I can't climb into my mom's womb again. Ew. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What? Born of water and the spirit? Spirit probably makes sense. Born from above, the spirit, spiritual rebirth, that can make sense. What's this water talk all about? For years, people have debated this. I'm not here to win a debate. I get to teach. I'm going to tell you there's three pretty solid ways that this has been interpreted, understood. The first is water. When a baby is born, water breaks. It's an actual birth. He's saying you can't be born again if you weren't born first. I think that's fine. That makes some sense to me. It's like your flesh, and it's going to break it down a little bit later, but I'll just, at this moment, say, like, that could be it. And I've leaned towards that multiple times in my life. The second one is that it's a reference to baptism. Repentance, the new life. Just recently, got a chance to baptize a dear friend in the river. Out of the water. Yeah, burr. Snow and ice 12 hours before. Just kidding. We come up out of the water, new life in Christ. I think that that's good. What I don't like is how people have tied salvation to baptism. And many people, and I, people I love and know and respect and know that are in the kingdom, teach that, that you've got to be baptized to be saved. I'm like, gosh, what happens for all the people that weren't baptized? Now, I know a number of people put it off, and that's something we need to really repent of. But if we're talking about born again, new life, this is a good picture. Down with the old, up with the new. It's a good picture. I don't think it's salvific. He's saying to be in the kingdom, you have to be born of water and spirit. The one that I've landed on probably for the past decade or so. For me, again, I acknowledge that these could be what he's talking about. I don't fully 100% understand. And I just need to be honest with that. And some people get frustrated. But you're a teacher. Yeah, I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher by God's design and grace. And I get some things that are just super solid, like the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is Savior. That alone, Amen. Lots and lots of other things as well. But, I mean, that's it. This is a little bit different. And there's times where I'm just not entirely 100% sure. But I feel pretty darn sure that this water is more than just saying you had to be born once to be born again. That does make sense. So, I, yeah, it's good. It's more than just baptism. And, again, I don't think baptism is salvation. I think this idea is the washing of the word. And then, like I said, it was like a decade ago that I started to understand that. In John 15, 3, he says that you're cleansed by the word. 
in Ephesians 5.26 where he's talking about marriage. And then he says, I'm actually talking about Christ in the church. He says, husbands get to wash their wives with the cleansing of the word. The water of the word is what Paul said. And so I'm like, look, we've got to actually know God is God and we're not. That's been displayed through the word, through creation. You couldn't do all this. I couldn't do all this. And so that's where I've landed. You don't need me to allow anything, but in a discussion or a debate, I allow that you could land on any of those three and be a saved, sanctified, set apart for the glory of God individual. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Some people are like, yeah, that means the water was flesh. Sweet. No debate with you. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again, born from above, born of the spirit. The wind, little play on words, spirit, same word, pneuma. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Anybody that's born again. You cannot control the Holy Spirit. He's in control. This idea of being born of him is like I have given up my life, the old one, and I'm new in Christ, and he paid for that. Again, great picture in baptism. So I ask you this question without giving you a whole bunch more that's on my mind. Who's in the kingdom of God according to John 3, 1 through 8? Amen. Everyone who's born again. Great, Isaiah. Those who have come to the Son. Very good. What else, church? Who's in the kingdom of God according to Jesus right here in John 3, 1 through 8? Those who drink the living water. Good, Darcy. Those who believe in Jesus. Amen. Coming to Jesus, believing, drinking in that life. The new life. You know who's in the kingdom? New people. The old is gone, it says in 2 Corinthians 5. Behold, the new is coming. we got to stop thinking with our old minds, living with our old lives, expecting new results. Church repentance, dying to ourselves, new birth in Jesus Christ. New people, new minds, new hearts, new lives. These are who are in the kingdom of God. And they didn't pay for it. Jesus did. Let's go to Luke 15. Excuse me, Luke 14. 15 through 24. As you guys are turning to that, I'm going to kind of set the table for you. And that pun is intended because we're coming to a feast. Jesus is at a feast and he's watching all the people jockey for position. He had just healed a man on a Sabbath. He told a parable about a wedding feast. 
That was significant. You guys could go back and read that on your own. Prior to what we're about to read, he says when you give a dinner or a banquet, don't just invite all the people that can invite you back that are rich and they're going to hook you up. Invite the people who can do nothing for you. And you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Well, gosh, that's a long time to wait to get my stuff. Tell that word, bro. Good, Jeremy. That's good. You guys, we, we live in a time, an age where immediate gratification is more of a stronghold than it's ever been. I don't want to wait for marriage to have sex. I don't want to wait for heaven to be justified. I don't want to wait in my marriage to see him or her change. I am only going to live once. I need a good wife right now. I don't want to wait for traffic. I'll get over here and cause another accident. These are just simple ones off the top of my head, like my hair. So Jesus comes at them with that, and a guy's convicted. That's the only way I can understand why he would just blurt this out. So Luke 14, 15, this guy hears Jesus say this and blurts this out. One of those who reclined at table with him heard these things. By the way, I should have told you this was a, a bunch of Pharisees and their family and leaders. And so he's one of those, and he's sitting there with them. He heard Jesus say this stuff that we just talked about. And he says, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Okay, you can talk about these little feasts here. But blessed are those who are going to eat in the kingdom of God. Hmm. But Jesus said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, now this is just a quick little word on them, they would send out an invitation ahead of time. You could think of it as an RSVP, which in our community means, yeah, I might. <laughs> but he sends out the invitation. And when the time for the banquet would come, they would send out another one. Remember, you said you were coming. Sends it out by his servant to say to those who have been invited, come for everything is now ready. It's time. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Give him my, I'm sorry, I can't make it. You bought a field and you're just now going to go look at it? It's not how that purchase goes. You would have already looked at it, and you would have purchased it. This was an excuse, as Jesus, the King of kings, teacher of teachers said. And another said, well, I bought five yoke of oxen, which is a lot. Most people say it's ten. And I go to examine them. 
please have me excused. Same blow up of the excuse before. You would not spend the money on 10 oxen without examining them first. <laughs> they didn't want to come. You know what it's like, right? You'll say yes to something unless something better comes up. Apparently for them, something better come up. We're not going to that party. This next one's a little difficult to, to handle. Another said, well, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Look, in that culture, unless it was the day of your wedding or the week of your celebration, you would have said yes ahead of time, and you would have brought your wife, if for anything, to honor them and to be seen as a married couple. It was a weak excuse. It just seems a little bit better than the other two really weak excuses. So the servant came back and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry. What was he mad about, do you think? No one came to the banquet. And they said they would. They were people that would have been honored to be there. But they found something else to do or they didn't want to go. Do you remember who he's telling the story to? Yeah, do you remember the guy who said in the beginning of this why Jesus started telling this parable? He said, oh, whatever you said is one thing, but we're all blessed because we're going to be at the banquet in the kingdom of God. <sighs> and he did like this. So the master became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. Nobody would have invited those guys to a party. Jesus said before this, and what we didn't read, that's who you should invite, people who can't make you look great, who you can help. You'll be blessed in the resurrection of the just with the Jeremy quote to be later on today. Just remember what Jesus said about the Gentiles to that woman who said, I'll even eat the crumbs from the table of the kids. They were the dogs. Jesus says, go invite the dogs. Go get the unworthy, set-apart, immigrant, Gentile, whatever, you fill in the blank. Go get them. Invite them to my party. The servant said, well, sir, you know what? I've already done that. And still there's room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges, or the byways is another translation, and compel people, basically beg the people to come in that my house may be filled. This is a shout out to missions work. Everywhere, including here. And the master said to the servant, oh, he said that. He said, for I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. In another gospel, very similar story, a little bit different. They get really mad and want to kill him because they know exactly who he's talking about. Those who by grace are invited and want to come will be in 
And those who see it as, nah, not for me, won't be. So quickly, friends, who's in the kingdom of God according to this parable by Jesus? Say it again. Amen. Would you say amen? Sounds like people who need help. Those who accept the invitation, Dana says. Outstanding. Somebody else said something too. The undesirables. That's good, bro. The deplorables. Those who turn from the world. Hungry. Come on. Could you imagine getting invited to a feast? How about this? How many of you people have no idea who got married yesterday in this room? The majority of you. What if somebody came up and said, hey, Roderick and Haley would love for you to come to their wedding. You'd be like, word, okay, count me in. Depends on how hungry you are, right? You'd be like, me? I, I don't know them. They know that. They want you to be there. Now imagine living in one of these trap houses where they deal drugs. Right over here. You guys across the street from your church building. If I'm getting amped up, it's because I've tried a couple of times and I need to keep trying. Come to the kingdom. Come to the banquet. Me? Well, I've been in your building. I just wasn't invited. (laughs) That means they broke in. We've had that happen a number of times. We had a lady try to use the key to get into the building called a cinder block. Decided to go over, talk to her about it because we had her on camera. To my chagrin, to my shame, I didn't say, hey, we're having some food here and we're going to do this event where we clean up and stuff. Would you like to come in, have some food? I just said, hey, can you just be honest with us? I was nice to her, but I wasn't invitational. I was confrontational in a nice way. That can work. Be better to invite the people that don't expect to be in. Why would you want me? Remember how many people or sheep Jesus talked about in Luke 15 that were left behind to go get one? Yeah. Do you remember that he said in another occasion that you don't call a doctor for the healthy, but for the sick, for the hungry? Invite people. Those are the people who are in the kingdom, those who, by God's grace, have accepted the invitation. Let me tell you about this. Ephesians 2 says that we were dead in our trespasses and God made us alive in Christ Jesus. That's a tough one to, to swallow. Well, how do I say yes if I'm dead? Great question. Somebody's going to have to make you alive. That somebody is the master of the banquet who said, do you want it? And he allowed you to hear it. And your ears were open and your eyes were open. He said, yeah, those in the kingdom are those who want to be. And that's only by the king's grace, the master's invitation. Final one, and we've talked about this one a ton. 
is in Mark 10, 13 through 16. I tell you, as we sit here today, we've only had a couple of little murmurs from babies and stuff. Yes, I have 11 children. Yes, I have five grandchildren. Yes, I have a sixth grandchild on the way. Yes, I'm excited about kids. Yes, I'm able to handle it when they talk and get loud. And yes, it's distracting. And it's hard because I want you guys to be able to hear and not be distracted. We have a children's ministry. We need help there. We have a children's ministry where kids can go and not just be kicked off the side, but loved on in ways that are really cool and very specific. But we also have a building upstairs that children are welcome in as well. But I am in the same spot. Like, what do we do? Maybe we create a little quiet space, and that's what the elders have been talking about. Like, sometimes moms need to go hang out with kids. Dad needs to grab that kid and say, God bless you. I'm out. I'm going to take these babies. You stay here. You get about a half an hour of quiet time with just you and Jesus and the church friends, and I'll take them out. We're figuring all that out. But children are a blessing is the short of it. Jesus said so. In Mark 10, 13 through 16, he says it very profoundly. And they were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem. And they knew something serious was going to happen, and they knew that he'd probably get in trouble there. Jesus was really important, but it was very common in their day for rabbis to bless children. Go all the way back. Blessing is huge. God gave blessing to Aaron. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. You know that one in numbers, right? It's like the Aaronic blessing. And they were to bless people and dads were to bless kids and moms were to bless kids and the leaders were to bless children and the children of Israel. It's always been a big deal. And so this would be normal for them and the disciples are like, get them away. Stop. And as we talked about just about a month and a half ago, When Jesus saw them do that, he was indignant. This is angry, displeased, affronted, grieved. He didn't like what they were doing, if you're not catching the the flow, the vibe. And he says to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. David, have we talked about this before? You guys, this is real. God is saying you got to be like children. He says it even more specifically. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Church, could it be any clearer? He says it in two ways. Let the children come to me, don't hinder them, for such to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, like a child, shall not enter it. And after making that great speech, he walked away. Nope. He took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them, saying, I mean it. He said truly three different times. Truly, truly, and then I truly Dear friends, here it comes. 
we got to be childlike. Not childish, childlike. So according to Mark 10, 13 through 16, who's in the kingdom of God? Amen. Those who accept it with shame, without shame, honestly. Say it again. Children of God. We're not just children of God because we were born in America or Israel or our grandparents were Christians or whatever. Children of God are those who, by his grace, have their eyes and their ears and their hearts open, and they say, he's it. You're my only hope. And I have no shame in admitting I desperately need you. Gosh, my friend said to me so many times in so many different ways, in so many conversations over a few years while we worked together in downtown Seattle, Jesus is just a crutch for you. And I'm like, amen. You got that right, man. I desperately need him to just do anything. Oh, come on. You're a grown man. I mean, I'm not grown man height, but I'm a grown man, right? <laughs> and I'm like, bro, yes, but I desperately need Jesus. So who's in the kingdom of God according to this? Any other answers? Those who trust him, take him at his word like a child. Because I got this from open door on the book of Mark is really, really good. In a solemn pronouncement, Jesus developed this truth. Whoever will not receive God's kingdom as a gift now with the trustful attitude of a child will never enter it. He will be excluded from its future blessings, specifically eternal life. God's kingdom is not gained by human achievement or merit. It must be received as God's gift through simple trust by those acknowledging their inability to gain it in any other way. <laughs> Child's like, I need something to eat. And they trust that it's going to happen. We have Zach and Katie's babies with us, and they need all the room they can possibly get on my king-size bed. <laughs> That feels more childish than childlike, but you know what? It's childlike. They just need the rest. Josie's like, can we pray? I'm like, yes. I'm going to pray you sleep through the night without kicking me. Because <laughs> <laughs> she just wanted to talk to God. Little Judah says, Papa, can we do the thank you gods? And I'm like, yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, God, for Papa and Grandma having us here, and I'm just like, all right, <laughs> be thankful, be grateful, little kids running around singing songs that make no kind of sense to anybody, and yet it's from their heart, and not just because they got cookies, <laughs> but also because they got cookies, be humble, be trusting, be dependent, be new people. Be those who see the invitation for the amazing gift that it is and say, yes, I want that. You guys didn't share this last week, but one of my favorite memories ever that I've seen on TV of all 
things was a golf memory. My little brother loves golf. He's a golf pro and all that, but I don't. But we were watching the U.S. Open one time. It was a long time ago. And this guy, Phil Mickelson, who hadn't won yet, but was super close, choked. And they, they called him a choke artist because he never, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. He just never quite won. And he missed this pretty easy putt. And Payne Stewart was this Christian man, and he, had pa- he passed away after this. But he comes up, and they got it on camera. And he grabs Phil Mickelson's face, and he says, this doesn't matter. You're going to be a dad. Just put it all in perspective. It helped me realize not only children, but helping children is a gift and a blessing, and it's better than anything you can pile up. So friends, are you in the kingdom of God? How do you move towards Jesus? Maybe today you accept that invitation. By grace, you confess, you repent. Jesus is Lord, not you. Not money, not health, not people, not sex, not the weather, but Jesus. Some of you need to move towards him by humbly remembering that you need to be more childlike. You need to actually be more trusting, more obedient, more hungry. And you just repent of where you've been. You're in the kingdom and you know it, but you've just not been walking it out. And that's okay. God takes you right where you're at and he won't leave you there. For many of you, you, you feel confident about it. It's just hard for you to invite others. This is your step to move towards Jesus is that you start inviting people to the banquet. And when they say that's stupid, you say, share with me how it's stupid. You hear their story and then you share yours. I have this really simple sticker right here that if you come up, I'll tell you about it because it's the story of God's glory, our failure, his payment for us. And the opportunity for us to receive the invitation to the kingdom and to live in it. We talked about last week, where is his kingdom? Do you guys remember? Starts in heaven. He came here. His rule and his reign in his people. Through his people. Jesus, thank you for today. Help us to be new people. Help us to be people who receive the invitation desperately in need of it, desperately hungry, and help us to be like children, humble, trusting, dependent. We can't do anything to earn it. We just have to receive it. We need help. God, help us to be strong and courageous and help us to be contagious with our faith. Help us to not be ashamed of your kingdom, but to proclaim it all over the place in word and in deed. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week. I'll see you next week.